The Dental Download Podcast is your source for insight into dental school, conversations with dentists, specialists, and leaders in the industry. With new episodes every Monday morning, I'm your host, Haley Schultz. Let's get into this week's episode. Hello, everyone. Happy Monday. Welcome back to your favorite podcast, the Dental Download Podcast. This week's episode is a longer one. It was a great conversation with a fellow D2 at Ohio State University's Dental School, Joe. I've actually had Joe Linzer on the podcast before, so he's a returning guest, and I really do love having dental students on the podcast because it's much more conversational because I can directly relate to what they're going through and kind of share my two cents. So it's a nice like comparison of our dental school experiences so far and the main topic kind of revolving around the first two years, those preclinical years, sim lab, didactic classes, struggles, things that have gone well, and how we're feeling preparing to start in clinic with patients in May for both of our programs. So that's kind of the topic of this week's episode. I'm not actually going to do much of a catch-up this week just because the main episode is a little bit longer, but next week I'll be sure to do a thorough catch-up for you all, and this upcoming week it's really going to be a hardcore study week the week of February 7th because the following week we have five midterms and a tough quiz, and then the week after that I have two or three more midterms. So it's midterm season over here. We're working hard and it's all going to be okay though, because once those are done, we have another week of school and then we have spring break, another month of school, and then all the way around to finals again. And then we'll be in clinic. Time really does fly. The months go by fast and dental school is going well overall. It's just very busy, but I'm loving it and I do enjoy being busy and I enjoy the opportunities that I've gotten through dental school with my extracurriculars, with things like YouTube and podcasting, Instagram, and then of course the main thing about dental school is the school, the opportunities to be learning and advancing so, so much week to week. Honestly, we get so much great information given to us and we just try to latch on to as much as we can each week and hopefully build our knowledge a little bit at a time. But that's everything for this week's intro. I hope you enjoy this week's episode with Joe. The following week is going to be Valentine's Day, as you know, Monday, February 14th. So I figured I could do an episode on relationships in dental school. So you all know I have a boyfriend that I've had for a while now. So yes, it'll be about romantic relationships, having a partner, but also friendships, making friends, keeping friends that you started dental school with, like friends from undergrad or friends from your old job or hometown, and also family. So not just romantic relationships, but that will be our topic for Valentine's Day next week. But for now, let's get into this awesome conversation between Joe and I. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone. So I'm back with a familiar voice. We have Joe here again. Joe, do you want to just remind everyone where you go to dental school, what year you are? Yeah, sure. My name is Joe Linzer, and I'm uh, going to Ohio State University, and I am a D2. Yeah, so today I thought I'd bring Joe back just to kind of compare and contrast our experiences so far now that we've gone through a few more semesters of dental school and we're both more familiar with how clinic works at our school as well. And since we have one more semester till we jump into clinic, just like how prepared we feel, how our experiences have been so far. So first, I think it could be helpful to just give like a summary of how our school handles clinic versus didactic time with our first two years. Um, You could start if you'd like. Yeah, sure. So the first two years is a lot of your in-between pre-clinic and you're in lectures as well. Uh, And you're kind of doing the the balance between having all this lecture content to go through and making time to get inside of the pre-clinic, whether it's, you know, in the evenings or whenever to practice. Uh, all to prepare you for competencies and getting into clinic in your second two years. And in uh, so D3 and D4 year, then the the idea is that you're maximizing the time that you can be in clinic, uh, usually two appointments in the day, one morning appointment and one afternoon appointment uh, with some other classes sprinkled in there. So it's not that you're not going to take any classes, but there will be some, uh, they might be in the morning, they might be at 7.30 a.m. And then you might start your day after that. Uh, Or they could be an online, you know, now with asynchronous classes becoming more and more common, uh, we're kind of seeing that, you know, some of our classes might just be solely asynchronous. We don't know yet. And everything changes year to year though. Yeah, they're telling our incoming D1s, like students that just got in. I'm honestly glad that they're being honest with them, but they're saying that Michigan is going to keep the hybrid model in their dental school. Mm -hmm. So certain classes will pretty much, as for the foreseeable future, stay asynchronous, which I thought was interesting. But I'm glad they're at least being honest because I know that's a deciding factor for some students. Some students do like having some online classes. So I think it's good that they're being transparent with it. Yeah, I really liked a lot of the asynchronous ones. My uh, thing is I even liked, uh, recently I've noticed how hard it is sometimes to take tests in a room when you're side-by-side people now, because I got so used to using Proctorio that now every little detail like behind me like is just amplified, which, so that's one thing, but. Yeah, the uh, bouncing leg next to you, the pen yeah. tapping. <laughs> yes, it happens. Uh, What about you? What does the clinic structure look like for uh, Michigan? Yeah, so I'm going to go through like what we've honestly actually done because what they told Mm. us to expect was different with COVID and our school's under renovation for people that don't know. It's almost done. It's going to be done at the end of this term, but that meant that our four clinics were down to two clinics. So that already really affects patient care and opportunities, of course. But the way they tried to combat that is like you mentioned, your school has a morning appointment and an afternoon appointment. They got rid of the lunch hour and they had an eight to 11 and 11 to one and then a two to five slot every day. 
So now there's three instead of two per day. And then on Thursdays, they even have a five to seven. So they pretty much added more slots to make up for having less clinics. Now this semester, we're up to three being open. So that's great. But the reason they're mentioning all of this is because our first year is first semester, we start early in June. So it's all book work. You don't do any sim lab. And then that ends in August. And then at the end of August, you come in and you have sim lab for the next rest of your D1, all of D2. Your first year, you're just learning restorations. And then your second year, where I am now, we're doing crown preps, crowns, bridges. And it's been a lot easier than restorations. And I think it's also because we have improved hand skills. But also during your first year, you have different rotations and kind of like mini sessions. Our class is about a hundred people, but they schedule us in groups of anywhere from 15 to 20 to go into a different smaller learning facility in our school that looks just like clinic and has all the same chair set up and everything. And you do like, you learn how to assist, you do anesthesia lab, you do profies on each other. You do basically practicing for clinic, but at least on a real person. And that real person is your classmate. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the in-between between using a mannequin and sim lab. Then we work on each other and then we work on patients. We don't do any actual restorations or crowns or anything on each other. That's permanent. Right. It's all things that are just temporary practice, but we learn how to do profies and injections and everything. So all of that happens throughout your first two years. And then by the end of your first year, you're able to do profies technically on patients and you're able to take radiographs on patients. And we were supposed to be doing profies now, like every, maybe like once a week or something on patients, Mm -hmm. but we still don't have any patients of our own. And we do radiographs probably like every couple of weeks, you have a rotation scheduled where you go and take all the radiographs for intaking patients before they get assigned to dental students. So that's one of the ways that we're directly interacting with patients starting your third semester of dental school. So the end of your first year onward. And we also assist, which starts your D1 fall. That's what the current dental students are doing. We didn't get assisting until our third semester of first year just because of COVID and PPE lacking and everything, but they did fix that. And the current first years have been assisting the whole time that they've been here. And that's a lot of our clinic exposure and a lot of us trying to get more comfortable in clinic. Similarly to, like you said, SimLab has those competencies. We call them practicals, but it's the same thing. And you get tested on each of the skills that you're learning. And then you move on to a new skill, get tested on that. And then at the end, of our D2 year, right before we start clinic, we have an OSCE, which is like a clinical exam to see if we're ready for patients, but they haven't told us much about that yet. And then, like you said, third and fourth year, primarily seeing patients. Most people, I think, get three or four patients a week just because they are limiting them because of the limited clinic space. But I hopefully when they're open, it'll be more like five patients a week. And Yeah, clinic. Um, Oh, like you were saying about classes. So third and fourth year, you have classes like one day a week, usually Wednesdays, third year, just Wednesdays, you have class and you don't really see patients. And then fourth year, you only have like two classes total. And third year, you have maybe like four or five, but they all happen on one day. I think uh, this semester is 
when we are going to start doing a lot. We've done profies on each other, but this year uh, or this semester, I should say, is when we're going to at the end of the semester actually have our first patient, which is our is going to be like a friends and family day where you invite someone to come in and you do their profi and, and whatnot. And that's like your official, like first patient that isn't, you know, my student partner or whoever that is getting subjected to my bad perio probing, but. Yeah. That's what they said. They usually do for us. It just, they don't have anywhere to put us pretty oh, much. That's what really? they told us. They're like, sorry, okay. we would love to have you do that, but there's no space because of the renovation. Oh. So we'll just be waiting. I think till we start with normal patients in May and we'll do exams, profies, yeah. restorations, whatever the patient needs all at once. <laughs> so did they just start this renovation? No, it started before I even started dental school. I would think it was a four or five year project, but it's almost oh, done. Okay. So <laughs> well, good. No, we just got a, a brand new clinic uh, here and it just opened up. This was the first, this last one, uh, this last semester fall of, of uh, you know, but it was super nice to be able to work in a new space and it's you're you'll love it. I'm sure. I'm sure it's going to be beautiful. So, yeah, I think we, like I said, three are open now. So we know what it looks like, what it's going to be like. There's just one more that they're finishing renovating. So like Uh, as, as different parts of the building were fixed, like they're open for use. Like they did little parts at a time since it is still our school versus I'm pretty sure yours is like a different building, right? Like, yeah, it's pretty much a whole yeah building. Yeah. So that's nice that you could proceed as normal until it was done. Mm, Yes, this is true. Yep. (laughs) Like that's a difference I think, which is nice, but I mean, for me, it really hasn't affected my education too much because like the only thing I'm really missing out on is like a semester of profies. And I think we would only do a few anyway. So in the long run, it's not that big of a deal for me. I think for the students that are a few years older than me, it was a little unfortunate, but they, they knew what was like this, it's on track for what they said right. the renovation would be. So, so we talked about like how our schools test us and teach us leading up to clinic. And we both have one semester left. Like you said, you're going to do a profi this semester, but how prepared would you say you feel to like actually have patients in your chair and be working on them? I think the hardest part of that question is that we don't know what is going to come through the door as far as, um, you know, we aren't going to be doing ideal at that point anymore. It will be following the carries, which I feel like we don't really, yeah, we really don't do that too often. We, we do have some special teeth that are kind of, uh, like that where they, they tell us there is a carry inside the tooth somewhere and you have to go and like, uh, excavate it. But I feel mostly like we are getting prepared very well. Uh, but it's just that one, the whole thing of like, sometimes you open up a tooth, you know, you, you might be like drilling out a cavity or whatever, and it's like, uh, larger than what it looked like on the radiograph or larger than, you know, and we've learned about this before, but you know, there's sometimes like a pinprick almost on the tooth and that's where the cavity's at, but you open it up inside the dentin and it's much more extensive And then you're like, well, I have to keep going because the, I'm not going to be able to get any retention or anything like that. So those are the type of things I feel like I know that what will have to happen in that situation. Right. But then it's like, thank goodness we have faculty right beside us the entire time to help us 
because they will, you know, make sure that we are doing exactly what we should be doing and making sure that we, you know, even just a simple, like from faculty, like saying, yes, keep going. Like you're not there yet. Like you have to keep going. You have to keep drilling. You have to keep uh, getting better retention form, uh, stuff like that. So uh, for the most part, I feel like that is the biggest thing faculty not being afraid to ask questions in clinic uh you know i you're just still going to have to ask questions you're still going to be learning you're still going to be like going through this process of of dental school it's not all said and done with and you're not like a confident practitioner and or you shouldn't be at least i i hope (laughs) yeah yeah i feel like we can do so much think we're doing so much like, okay, I have a patient coming in, they need a class five restoration, I'm going to review my notes and like, think about how I'm going to do it ahead of time. But then the patient yeah. comes and they're like, Oh, like, I have this sinus thing going on. Can you do one of the other teeth? And like, you have to just appease the patient for the most part. So even if you prepare, things are not going to go the way you're expecting. And that I think is going to be one of the biggest adjustments is just like you said, thinking on your feet, being honest with the faculty, because at least when I'm assisting faculty, will like, not mean, but they will like grill the students. Like, what are you going to do? Why are you going to do that? Like, and it's important to help us think critically think and learn how to work on our own, but Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with saying, to be honest, I'm a little over my head right now. Like, can you walk me through how you would do it? And Mm -hmm. like faculty might be disappointed if you've been working with them for a while, but at the same time, like they're going to help you. So it's important to recognize your own limits, like give it a shot and then say, is that what you would do or something like that? So that's one thing I've picked up assisting that's important to do. Um, And another thing I think I'm most like, it's not necessarily as worried about the actual procedures because I feel like we have so much repetition practice. It'll be a little different, obviously, because it's real teeth. And like you said, nothing is to like perfect standard or normal per se, but I'm more worried about the medical aspect of patients and like having medically complex patients, understanding their medical history, their medications, make just making sure I'm not going to like put anyone in harm's way. I want to like definitely be reviewing some of my farm. And we have a class literally this semester called the medically compromised patient. So hopefully that'll make me feel a little more confident, but I just want to make sure of course that I'm protecting everyone that I'm working on. So that's a little intimidating for me. That's okay. It would be more concerning if someone said they weren't concerned about that. Yeah. (laughs) So we are all, we should all be very concerned about that. There's no doubt. Uh, Yeah, for sure. Do you feel like there's anything you're going to do in the next semester to prepare more for clinic? It's so easy to say, like, I want to review farm, like I just said, but there's like no time. So I'll try, but is there anything you're planning on doing? Uh, I just, so with like OSCEs for you is, I think the, the synonym for us is competencies. So if I'm able to do uh, competencies well, then that's like the, the sign that you can move on to clinic and stuff. So I'm going to really focus on that to be honest. And it's actually like uh, it's coming up very quickly, actually, by the time that this is posted, it will probably be in the middle of it. Uh, so that's very important to me. Other than that, the whole software piece of it, the software that we use inside the clinic, just being more familiar with that is something that we've been working on kind of a lot throughout dental school. Uh, so just getting more comfortable with that, but 
other than that, there's not really too much. Uh, we are taking farm this next semester. Uh, so that's uh, definitely probably going to open up my eyes to all of that. Uh, never taking a pharmacology course before because in undergrad, it wasn't really something you had to take. You could, but it was like, it's not going to, it's not a prereq for dental school. So I really wasn't going to subject myself to that, but it has uh, come back yeah. around. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, that's, we talked about this last time we recorded that I mentioned that like ASCII and from my understanding, our ASCII is a written exam and not a oh, clinical okay. exam, but I could be wrong. Maybe it has both components. That's why I don't want to makes- talk about it too much because <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me if it's not clinical hands-on work, because how can they for sure assess that we're ready? Like we've passed our practicals first year right. and now second year, and that's great, but for me, I'm, again, this is optimistic, but I'm hoping I'll go in and practice a little bit more um, restorations. That's like prepping a cavity for people that don't know, and then filling it with a composite, the like white filling, because we haven't done that since first year. So I like, I feel fairly confident with them, even though I haven't done one in a long time, but it would be nice to practice again. And we have access to this big bin of like extracted teeth. So we can drill on real teeth if we want. Oh, nice. Um, we did that once for a practical first year. So we've done a few, but it would probably be useful for me to do that a few more times just to get more comfortable. But again, that's like, it feels so far away because we have a really intense semester this yep. time, like way more than the past two of our second year. So it's hard for me to comprehend doing anything beyond what we already have to do because it's just right. a lot. <laughs> yeah. Time management is going to be a, a real um maybe not struggle, but something to be mindful about this next semester for sure. There's mm-hmm. no doubt. So do you get patients in May? Is that when your new semester would start? Yeah. In the summer we would, we would get, the idea is that you'd start getting like patients around that time, maybe June, uh, but somewhere in there. And is it just as patients sign up to come to the school, they assign them to you all, or do you get like a fourth year that's graduating patients? How does that work? Yeah, usually it's passed down, uh, but I don't want, yes, it would be passed down because the D4s would leave in like May because uh, they would graduate then. So then you'd get some, you know, you'd get some of the those patients. But recently what, what's been happening is say that you are a D4 and you don't quite have all of your graduation requirements and you're a D3 and you have a patient that needs like 20 restorations. Well, that patient might need to go to a D4 to get those restorations done so that they can graduate. So although like you will have your core base of patients that are passed down to you, there's always a possibility that you might have to donate, you know, graciously some of your restorations or some of your crowns to a D4 that is like weeks away from walking out the door. So that's, I guess the pro is there that, you know, they're at least paying attention to that type of thing and like, okay, we're going to, you know, graduate on time. So, uh, but yeah, those requirements are, are a thing. So. Yeah. It was interesting. Cause I was watching a video from a friend of mine from undergrad and he goes to Detroit mercy and he was saying some of his classmates are third years, two semesters in now, and they've done like 10 restorations in two semesters. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and then there's my roommate that's done like so many crown props, so many restorations. And it's, it's crazy because it's luck, 
but then like luck of what your patients need, who's in your patient pool. Like some people's patients are in pretty good health. They just need like perio maintenance, which gets you, we call them CEUs, clinical education units. Like every procedure has points basically assigned to it that you get. And you have a requirement for overall points per semester. And you also have a requirement uh, to graduate a certain number of each type of procedure as well. I'm pretty sure most schools do that, but the scale of what you need differs between schools. But what I liked about our program, and again, like I said, I live with two D3s, so it's nice to kind of see their clinical experience. It helps me feel a little more in the know for what to expect, but they have these requirements for crowns and whatnot. And if you don't have a patient that needs it, there's like a request system you go through at our school. And then when they filter incoming patients, they give them to the students that put in requests for like specific things that they need. So as long as you're proactive at my program, I feel like for the most part, you get everything that you need. You just have to be kind of annoying about it, like requesting it over Mm -hmm. and over and over. And eventually you'll get the patients that you need to meet your requirements. Right. There's no, there's no need to beat around the bush. I mean, if you need a, you know, more restorations, I mean, I would be talking to faculty every day I come into clinic, like, you know, still need these to graduate and however long it is, but it's just one of those things you have to be able to um, articulate what you need to graduate. You need to be able to, you know, tell, you know, if you're struggling in something, you got to be able to articulate that too. So it's, it's all uh, very important. Yeah. And I've even heard of some, like we, similar to you, the fourth years graduate. And then when I come in and now I'm a third year, everyone's moved up. We get there about 30 patients of a patient family usually And if I have like a dentures case, but I've already started a denture and we only need like one for the year, you can like, like you said, give it to a D4 or something that needs it. And then they might give you a patient that needs just restorations and you can get requirements from that. So I've heard a lot of like give and take as well to try to like help each other out is something that happens a lot, but usually all the patients stay with you the whole time for the two years, but it just kind of, like you said, the little requirements they might. And, and if you have a patient you really like, you're going to want them to stay with you also. So that's, that's yeah. something else you've seen. I've, I've seen like a, what, what do you like, want to call it? Patient loyalty. Like they, they like coming to see you and whatnot. And there's, there's a few people where you're like, I can always rely on them to like show up and stuff. And that's, that'll be a uh, very, very good. Yeah. I, I've heard a dentist that I follow said like, two percent of your patients will cause like 90 percent of your problems and I'm like oh, that's, that's so funny that's very true and and yeah. private practice you do have the ability to dismiss patients which is nice yeah I guess you even do. even in the dental school you do I've heard of more so not so much patients like just being annoying because you can't really do much about that but if right. there's been patients that have been like inappropriate to students or if you no show I think three times then you get dismissed as well yeah. so there's certain procedures for that as well if people are really really uncomfortable or just Mm -hmm. don't respect our time because it's really hard like I said to get clinic appointments right now for the students like they have three or four per week and if someone doesn't show up they're in a big trouble because they have requirements of points they need to meet each week each week and if they're missing an opportunity to get some their grade goes down which I think is a little weird that our procedures you do in clinic determine your grade because we don't have control over the patient's needs. And one of my friends is doing, we have 
a program at my school where you come in and you either choose to take elective classes or you choose to do a research project. I'm in the elective classes that one of my classmates is doing a research project about this topic of the CEUs and does it make students kind of overdiagnose? Does it make students just not have the most ethical mindset because we have these pressures of performance and grades determined by how many restorations you do in a week? But if the patient doesn't need restorations, you don't want to be diagnosing that they do kind of thing. So she's comparing mm-hmm. with a bunch of dental schools. So I'm interested to see where her project goes by the time we're done. Cause I think it's a very interesting topic, but it's a real ethical concern. It, yeah. Something that, you know, I will be, yeah, I will agree. It'll be interesting to see if it's going on or not. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree completely. It's very yeah. concerning ethically. And yeah. Yeah. That's why I also, for a few reasons, I'm happy that we have the mannequin dental boards now, at least in my state, just because it's, you find this ideal patient and then you might find them now. And then a patient might save them until March to do their boards on, which is just not, you want to treat someone like dental caries is disease. Like you can't just not treat it, but that's what, that's what the in-person boards were making students do. So I'm glad that they're doing mannequins now. Or what was it? Patients asking for money to be, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's some stuff there's, yeah, not great stuff with that. Yeah, definitely. Do you have anything else you feel like is important to talk about in terms of how clinic works at your program? I don't think you mentioned like how often are you in the clinic? Do you guys assist at all? Yeah. So we assist, we've been assisting for a while. They they've been like just tacking on uh, assisting requirements into our intro to clinic class. And so we've been in clinic since day one of, of walking into dental school. And even during COVID stuff, we were still in there. We just had a lot more PPE on in the beginning. And, um, but it's been really good. And I, you know, we've done uh, assisting now quite a, quite a bit. And I think it's really been good to see how clinic is operating on like with a D3 or a D4, because it is a little bit different than well, maybe not a little bit. It is still quite a bit different than like shadowing a dentist in a private practice. Uh, so, and we're going to be doing that. So like, I want to see exactly what kind of the time constraints are and things like that. Like how many times do I need to check in with faculty, uh, things like that. And then even like, just knowing that like on a really busy appointment that you want to get a lot done, go to radiology, like first or like try if you can. And sometimes it depends on faculty if you're allowed to or not, but it really, you know, if the patient, if you know, you have to get radiographs that day and the faculty says it's okay, of course, but like, because the line for uh, radiology can be pretty long. Sometimes it's just one of those little like nuggets of information that you kind of lean on to. And then also just getting to know the D3s better. Uh, I mean, really, really important because they're going to be like our mentors in clinic when we are D3s and they are D4s. Uh, And that relationship is going to be pretty important because they're going to give us, you know, the lay of the land. They will be the, you know, the uh, higher ranking students there. So they'll be able to help us out with stuff, uh, hopefully. So, and faculty, of course, but uh, other than that, clinic wise is, is really good. So do you assist like a bit, like a big, like a specific D3 every time? Do you have to? Some dental schools are like that. And then others, 
like mine, you just are assigned to show up and then you find someone or how does it work? They would, they want us to be in our uh, group practice clinic. So we have eight group practices and they each uh, or student clinic, whatever you want to call it. They're like each little dividers inside the new building. Uh, The new building is two stories. So it's separated four on each floor, whatever. So they just want us to assist a D3 in our clinic, which is very strategic uh, because that is going to be where we will be at, you know, when we enter clinic uh, D3 year. So they want us to just start getting familiar with that kind of environment and those people. But also I kind of found, found myself really needing to fulfill those requirements like quickly because I'm a little bit of a procrastinator uh, sometimes. And with assisting, it was something that was like almost like fun and isn't, isn't really like something I was stressed out to do. So then near the end of the semester, I just kind of got a requirement, filled it anywhere. Uh, and no one really cared as they were just happy. I got the requirement done, but yeah. yeah. Did, so you said you assist. So just, they tell you who, so we have this like big schedule of like all of our rotations. Like I said, sometimes we work on each other, all these things, like all of that is on one master schedule along with when we're assigned to assist in clinic. And it tells you which of the three clinics you're supposed to go in. And the plan is that you would just show up that day, ask around who needs an assistant and go, but that doesn't really work for me. I would prefer to know mm-hmm. who I'm assisting and what their procedure is just so like, I know what to expect. So if I do want to follow the schedule, I would like look up who's in that clinic that day and you can see all the patients, like what procedure they're doing, which student is doing it and what cube they're in, in the clinic. So sometimes I do that and I just reach out to people ahead of time. But honestly, I've found more value assisting the same few people that I feel like have more of like a teaching style when they're doing the procedures. And I've been assisting D4s a lot, which I think has benefited me the first bit of dental school, but I'm going to try to assist D3s more for that same reason you were saying, because the D4s are about to leave. So I don't want to like not have as strong relationships with the D3s once I'm in clinic with them. So I'll probably try to do more D3s and less D4s, but I tend to find the same people and assist them when it works like with both of our class schedules and everything. So I don't always go on the assigned schedule either. They Mm -hmm. mainly just look at your requirements. I think they assign us just so that there are enough assistants in clinic for the patients. Cause a lot of times people just do the procedures without assistance. Cause we don't have like paid assistance or anything. It's either like right. classmates D ones, D twos, or you have the patient hold the suction and <laughs> go by yourself. So I, I'm looking forward to trying to do more with the D threes. And also I'm going to try to assist the D4 a little bit more whose patients I'm going to be inheriting. I've only, Oh, assisted- you already know that. Yes. They tell us That's that. Cool. So, so I've only assisted her one time. She definitely was like, yeah, come back whenever. But I just, again, was keeping up with the person I'm like genuinely good friends with and always assisting her. Cause it was just mm-hmm. easier, but those are a couple of things I'm going to try to do also, I guess, to prepare more for clinic for the next couple of years. Yeah, that's very cool. You know who that is. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else you think is good for clinic to talk about? I guess we were going to talk about faculty shortages. I don't yes. know. If, I feel that's more of an issue in our clinic than our preclinic. I don't know how it is at your school. Exactly. It's it's the clinic side of it than the, mm-hmm. the preclinic side. 
And the preclinic side is all of our mostly professors that have taught a lot of our courses the first two years. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's no, no real issues there. I just hear a lot more from the D3s and D4s, but it sounds like it's an issue at uh, several different places right now. Lots of schools. Yeah. But yeah, it's just because, and for anyone that doesn't understand the context of it, the reasoning behind why it is such an issue and it is because of imagine it's, it's faculty that is looking over multiple dental students who have patients. They can only handle maybe like, I don't know, here it's like seven or eight students at a time. Uh, one faculty for seven and eight, seven or eight students that are doing procedures and they just kind of pop in randomly to make sure everything's going okay, getting uh, checks and whatnot. And so the issue when even just one faculty you know, member leaves or retires, uh, it then hurts seven or eight spots in the clinic. Uh, so that's kind of where I've, I see a lot of issues uh, with just dental schools in general, OSU, of course, I'm, I'm seeing it, but or more hearing about it. I'm not really in the clinic too much, too, too much, but yeah. Have you heard similar things? Did I explain that accurately? Yeah. Ours is actually pretty similar. Like you said, we have this like TV screen thing in the clinic and on each cube, there's like the desktop where they do all the patient information. And then we also have a software where you request faculty. So they know like which cube to go through. They have like a big board showing them who's waiting for them in order and everything. So that's a newer thing. I think in the past, like four or five years, how I mentioned, um, we can do like a research project or electives. That was actually someone's research project, which is cool Mm. to like implement that into the clinic. But yeah, usually it's also tricky because you decide which faculty you want to request. So the favorites might have 12 people and then the tough faculty might only have two students working with them. So part of it isn't like for us, our restorative faculty, like I was saying for listeners, restorative is if there's cavities, those faculty, we don't really have shortages of. And like I said, there are favorites, but I honestly think all of our restorative faculty is really strong. Everyone that I've interacted with And there might be kind of longer waits, but that's because people are choosing to work with like the favorite faculty, but where we see problems for us, where we have shortages right now, and we'll hopefully get resolved. The school's like always searching for more faculty as people leave, but in the moment we have shortage of pros faculty. So that's when people are doing crowns, when people are doing dentures, they have to work with prosthodontists Mm -hmm. and we would have one in there, maybe one in each clinic and there's like 28 chairs. So there could be 20 people doing restorative and eight that are doing pros, but there could be 17 doing pros and there's only one faculty. So like I said, our clinics, we have three and it's all D3s and D4s and they're at the same time. And you can be doing any type of procedure. You could be doing perio maintenance, working with perio, you could be doing restorative, you could be doing pros. And there's a few of each faculty in that clinic for that purpose. So it just kind of depends what the students end up scheduling. They don't like bring in extra faculty based on what procedures are getting done at that time. That makes a lot of sense. And I I think two things. uh, One, I really have favorites, but it's like one of those. it, It is a weird thing where you're right that you could be waiting a while if if that is the case. We don't have a board like what you were describing at all. It's much more you know, I got, I'm going to go find the faculty really quick and, you know, pull them in for a second. But 
um yeah i mean i think you know the whole the whole favorites thing is is totally it happens and then uh the type of perf the type of a faculty that is not around right now i'm not sure what exactly we're uh missing but you're but you're right that they are constantly kind of looking and you know when i went to oda uh the ohio dental association like annual conference they were looking for faculty there and that's you know just one of the, one of the things that goes on people uh, move on or retire, or maybe they go back and we had someone that, you know, moved, you know, just cause they could. And yeah. Yeah. And like, you can't like, to an extent, you can't fault the schools for it. Like they're individual people making decisions. And mm -hmm. as long as they're seeking things out, like there's only so much we can do. We're really like at the mercy of our dental school. Most of the time, once, like, once you sign up to go somewhere, you just have to go with the flow of whatever they tell you about how everything's going to work for the next four years. You don't get right. too much of a say in it. But I do think that one thing that people can think about is in possibly being motivated to maybe go themselves and be a clinical instructor one day when they're a dentist. I know we have a lot of faculty that just come like one afternoon session a week. Like they work full-time private practice, but they come on Wednesdays from two to five or something. And even that is so helpful. So something for people to think about if you're listening and eventually going to be practicing to give back to the dental school, if you're yeah. drivable distance. And I had a, I had a couple of pre-dents reach out and they were asking me uh, questions about the faculty shortages and, and some other things. And they, I was, when they asked me questions about it and they were like concerned about it, I was like, uh, I don't, I mean, there's a lot of other things to worry about. Like the first two years of dental school, I would like, I, I don't know. There's like, these issues will like be likely resolved within by the time you even show up to dental school. Uh, but it's just something that's kind of going on currently in, in the space. But so I really don't think it's anything for pre-dents for any of the schools to be substantially concerned about long-term. Uh, but it's just something that's something that's going on. Yeah. And you can't pick, like if you pick one school because they currently have full faculty, right. that could change by the time you're in clinic or vice versa. So that don't think it should be high on your list for cons for a dental school. Exactly. More just ask about the actual clinical experience. Like how soon do you get to work with patients? How like just how everything is structured otherwise, I think should be more of a consideration when it comes to clinical experience. Maybe if a school has been known to have not enough faculty for 15 years or something, okay, that's something yeah. to consider. But if it's like off and on, and like how I said, one department's really great, one department's missing a few people, like that's going to be an easy, hopefully easy fix. Right. I agree completely. So we talked about our like overview of what we do for SimLab for two years, what we're going to do mostly in clinic. Looking back on SimLab, what has been anything that's been like a big struggle? Because I know we both really d disliked dentures. <laughs> um, yep. Is there anything that sticks out as was particularly hard and how did you kind of work through it? Yeah. So I was going to, the first go around at indirect vision uh, crowns. The first time I ever did those, that was something that you just had to figure out. And it was like, it took a lot of time. I remember we did D one year, we did number three, which is a, uh, your maxillary right and right side molar. And anyways, just the, the nature of doing that indirect kind of vision crown. And, and for anyone that doesn't know what indirect vision is, that's when you're looking through the mirror uh, and you have 
you know, I at least would have my loops on. Uh, so, and it was, it was difficult learning how I was adjusting to learning how to use my loops at the same time of looking through a mirror and, you know, uh, obviously drilling a tooth, but that was a difficult thing. And then also recently, uh, and I do not recommend this for anyone ever. Don't like, if you can avoid this problem, just don't do it. But I broke my loops this last semester. And so I sent them in at the beginning of the semester for a repair and it took six weeks before I got them back. So I was in sim lab uh, with, I learned how to use, you know, not use loops for, you know, pretty much anything and things were going okay. And then like, I brought the loops back into my mix, like halfway into the semester. And it was like, well, this is like, now I got to readjust back to loops. And it was just, I don't recommend it for anyone. Like pick one or the other switching back and forth is like, not in the middle of the semester, at least is not a great idea. Uh, and I learned that one pretty fast, but yeah. What about you? We still haven't, well, we've done like a crown prep on 14, but I haven't tried to do indirect really. I just like contort the head and like bend all around. It's so like, I, that's one thing I should have mentioned before. I don't even think about it. Cause I just avoid indirect vision so much. Avoid it, I, yeah. I, I need to work on it more. I just, you're right. Number three, you can <laughs> kind of, you can kind of move the head around in such a way that you don't really, I mean, other than the occlusal probably. Yeah. <laughs> other than the occlusal. Yeah. I, I need to work on it more though. And I know you mentioned like for people listening and direct is looking through the mirror. What's tricky about it is like, you're looking at the mirror and what in the mirror looks like you're moving right is like actually moving left on the tooth kind of it's like opposite. And that's Mm -hmm. why it is confusing at first. So that's something for people to keep in mind, I would say, because it's it's and people ask me to like should I be practicing this ahead of time blah 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 and no like you have that's what dental school is for is to work on it so I would just wait till you're in school and learn then or be like me and still figure out a time to learn even though I'm finishing my second year (laughs) that's okay yeah don't don't stress out too much like the what those kits that were going around like I remember in, in my, in our group, yeah. me, our class group me. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Those kits where you're like practicing for dental school before getting yeah. to dental school. I don't know about that. <laughs> I, not, not for me, not for me. Yeah. I get, I get the appeal and I get the marketability of that product, but at yes. the same time, like you don't even know what you don't know. Like for the first couple of weeks of my first sim lab, they're like, Oh, see, like your surface is really bumpy. I'm like, no, I don't see. Yeah, <laughs> like I, literally don't. I literally don't know what you mean, but now I can look at something and be like, it's a 10th of a millimeter off. Oh no. Nope. And I can just tell with my eyes. So like you need the instruction and the guidance to know what you're supposed to know. And you won't get that till you're in dental school. So like you will learn. It just takes some time. <laughs> Isn't it crazy how I, I think when we, when you come into dental school, you barely know what like a millimeter looks like you know, and now they're giving measurements that are like for crowns, at least sometimes it's like, we want you to do 0.8 millimeters. And like, we, your range is between like 0.6 and one, and we want 0.8. And it's like, now it's kind of, it's just crazy how your eyes have learned what even like 0.1 millimeter is like, like, I mean, just like a, like a chamfer or anything like that. It's like, oh yeah, that looks about like 0.5 millimeters. It's like, 
gosh, what have, that's just crazy to me. Yeah, it's impressive. And it's even cooler to think that it's only been like two years or whatever that we have like a whole career of dentistry. So it's optimistic to say we're going to improve in our skills even more and be able to learn like the more complex procedures and everything. For sure. So it is exciting. I would say though, to answer the actual question, I guess, like we were saying, just getting the vision down and like understanding what they're looking for in the grading criteria was a big adjustment first year. And that just comes with practice and doing crown preps. Now I found that they're pretty easy compared to restorations. And again, I think that's just because we do have that like dental eye now, and we're more comfortable using a handpiece. but I definitely would challenge people to just practice as much as you can your first year. If you feel like you need it, like you really do know if you're prepared for a practical or your case of competency or not. I feel like you could practice a hundred times, but if it's bad practice, it's not helping you. So Mm -hmm. I think it's important to be aware of how you're like mentally and physically doing, because if you're exhausted, it's not going to be good practice. So to understand when it's better to study for your didactic courses, when it's better to take a break, when it's better to be in sim lab, I just would recommend to people that good practice is more important than practice and bad practice. If it's just trying to get reps, I think it's better to just be purely focused and being taking the time to critique yourself and go slow your first couple preps and restorations and really think about what you're doing. It'll pay off in the long run more than just burning through like 30 teeth and not really knowing what's going on. Yeah. Completely agree with that. It doesn't always take 30 teeth, Mm -hmm. you know, which actually for me, it never really did. I think we only get like 10 of each one and then we have to buy more or something. So you figure out if you're doing that many preps, if you're like really going like crazy for a practical um one you might just you're going to stress yourself out obviously kind of a substantial amount and then also like what else are you kind of what you were mentioning what else are you putting to the side like didactically so yeah and if people are wondering like what happens if you don't meet the criteria if you fail a competency or in my case practical So at our school, it's called remediation. It applies to lectures and sim lab. Um, I think it's pretty uncommon to have to remediate a lecture usually, but for sim lab, for us, they do all of the remediations at the end of the semester. So you might have like five different practicals throughout the semester, usually like two and a half, two or three weeks to work on a skill have a bunch of projects and different teeth you're working on for that same type of restoration or crown prep. And then you have a test on it where you do the one tooth, it's timed, they're going to grade it. And if you don't pass that, you redo it at the end of the semester, which is different from program to program. Some schools, you might do it like a couple weeks after, but I kind of like that we do them all at the end because it gives you plenty of time to practice it. And you really shouldn't be so stressed about it now because you've had like two more months or another month Mm -hmm. to work on it. And if you really work on dental skills for that long, you should be able to get it down, especially like if you were thinking about what Joe and I were saying about having good productive practice. Yeah. And with our school, it's remediations is a little bit different, but uh, the same idea, you know, Uh, but the one thing is recently what they've been doing is 
it's been changing almost every semester. And I don't know if that's because of COVID or if it's because of the academic years that we are in. But like, for example, like I know that the next round like of remediation isn't until like the summer. So what like is happening is if even if something uh, like went wrong in the fall semester, like you're going to be still expected to take like the competencies and stuff to get into clinic uh, in the spring. And then in like late spring, early summer, you'll remediate anything else that has not been passed so far. And then you'll be officially in clinic, you know, after that point. Uh, but I think there's like different like levels of it too. Cause like sometimes though, like, I think like D one year, it was like in the summer as well, but it was like, you had several weeks where like you were going in and practicing and you had to pass two preps of whatever the practical was. And then the third one was like a test, like a mock test. And then that one was like to basically test out of the, of the program. But yeah, each one is very, is different, but the faculty kind of explain what is expected, you know, right before you start it. And it's, you know, the expectations are usually pretty clear and uh, you have quite a bit of help. So like, I think we were talking about it earlier, maybe before we started recording, like they want us to, they want us to pass. Uh, so like, it's one of those things that, you know, they do want you to keep moving along, to keep progressing. And there's all these little like fail safes that like are in place to make sure that you keep moving along. And, you know, uh, and it, it doesn't just because, you know, we can talk about this forever comparison and whatnot, but just because your hand skills might not be as perfect as someone else doesn't mean you're doing dental school wrong necessarily. Uh, it just means that it might take more time for you to coordinate, you know, what's on the paper and putting it on the tooth, you know, getting the prep that is supposed to be ideal. Um, but everyone's very different. So it's just one of those things you got to be comfortable with knowing where you're at and how much time is it go going to take to to pass uh, and still, you know, do well didactic classes wise. Yeah. Everyone's so different and there's no shame or also like reason to boast if you're amazing or if you're not amazing right away, like either way, mm -hmm. everyone will pass. Eventually everyone is going to get to the same point. It just depends how much practice it's going to take you. And having more practice is certainly not a bad thing. There were a lot of skills first year that took me more practice than my peers but there's also been a lot of skills this year that I haven't had to practice so much and maybe other people have. So there's different things, whether it's didactic or clinical that you're going to excel at and others that you're going to struggle at. So it's not, like you said, worth the sweat of comparing yourself because everyone has their different strengths and you'll find your strengths as you go through dental school. So definitely try not to get too discouraged, like you said. Mm -hmm. So we're getting close to time here, but before we wrap up, um, at the end, I wanted to talk about kind of our goals for D2, but before that, um, is there anything you want to just put out there for like pre-dance? I know people are probably listening because they're interested in Michigan or Ohio state. So is there anything about your program that you'd like to discuss a little bit more? Oh, yes. So the, uh, recently there hasn't been all of the applicants that have applied to, you know, Ohio State, there has not been a tour of the mm -hmm. school, which has been a big concern for even the people that are, are getting accepted, uh, which 
because a lot of the other programs they've been giving tours and stuff. Uh, but basically we're now going to be able to bring back pre-dental day and all these other things. Uh, so it, going forward, I'm, I'm hoping it shouldn't be an issue, but it's just, you know, speaking, you know, the truth here that like the dental students don't, we want you guys to have a tour of the school. Like, trust me, we do. It's just not something the dental students get to choose for you, right? It's all about the admissions uh, faculty, you know, not even faculty. It's just the admissions group. The people that decide, you know, who's accepted and, and whatnot is like not able to, to give the tours right now. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure they will be back. And with pre-dental day, at least, you know, I know there's going to be tours of the new clinic and whatnot as well, but uh, there's also online videos and stuff. I know that's no substitute for not getting the, you know, come in person, but, uh, just saying that it's, you know, it's not something to do with the dental students. Like we, we definitely want everyone to experience the school in person as well. It's just something that hasn't been able to happen since I actually applied. I think I was the last tour that occurred during interviews and you were too, cause I know you interviewed here, but yeah. 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 I, I, think too to not get too wrapped up and not getting to like walk the halls of a school because for me I did have that opportunity and I do feel lucky to get to have physically seen the schools I was accepted to but what I enjoyed the most about those days is the conversations with the students and getting to see how they really felt about the programs and that's something that you can still seek out as a pre-dent hopefully the school is putting on some kind of panel for you during the interview or you can take initiative and use social media. Like if you looked up OSU, you could have found Joe and ask him some questions about the program, for example. So Mm -hmm. I think that that's almost more of a testament to what a school is going to feel like to you is how the students seem. And if you feel like you connect well with them, that should also help you really get a feel for a school. And I mean, just from an outsider's perspective, anyone is considering Ohio state. I did tour there. I did love the program and I didn't even get to see the new clinics because they weren't up and running yet, but I still thought it was an awesome school. So that's just another boost to OSU. If you are considering it, I do think it's a great program. My school is Michigan. And like you said, they did online interviews, but this past like couple months, they have been bringing in those accepted students and letting them tour the school on like a Saturday. So there's been a few Saturdays when people get to come in and see, and same thing. Like I've been talking to a ton of pre-dentals and accepted students, just giving them my perspective. So I think the best thing you can do as a pre-dent, if you're deciding between programs is just talk to as many students as you can. Honestly, I think one student really isn't enough because everyone has such a different experience. And I might say, I love something and I dislike something else. And someone could tell you something totally different. So it's good to get a wide range of opinions and then kind of sit with that, think about it and see what you can take away from that kind of as a whole. And probably no program is going to be perfect. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, so there's going to, like, if you're really hunting for something to find a flaw in, you're going to find it somewhere with almost every program. Mm -hmm. So just to wrap up, is there anything that comes to mind for this semester? We kind of talked about that we both have busy semesters and you're going to be in some tough classes, but is there anything goals wise or just balance wise that you're focusing on this semester to get through? Uh, I am still trying. I think I'm going to stop using certain uh, study methods 
for certain classes. So, and what I mean by that is just like, if I was using Anki for a class, I might now shift that to a study guide or something, uh, just because I've learned that just flashcards just take forever. But say like when it comes to pharmacology, like uh, there's a good chance that we might be doing flashcards for that. Uh, but other than that, just staying balanced, like in that way. And then also I don't want to give up my, uh, volunteering activity that I like to do. That's kind of a personal thing that like, um, on Monday nights, like I just, I don't do dental school normally, like ever. Uh, so unless if something really weird happens and there's a practical Tuesday morning, but that's just one of those things that I just is a non-negotiable for me, but yeah, other than that, just, yeah, I have to figure out still if I want to go in person or if I want to stay like more hybrid, because we kind of have a little bit of a choice. All of our lectures are recorded and I am honestly still trying to figure out what I like. And it's not something that maybe, maybe some classes I will just know right away that I need to be in person. But, uh, I feel like every semester is a big, is a big adjustment just with the workload and stuff. But, other than that, just still making time to go into preclinic and practicing for competencies. Probably for me, it's in the evenings because I don't really care to study that much late at night. So I can go in and practice hand skills at like, I don't know, 8 p.m. or whatever. So what about you? What are some of your goals for staying balanced? Yeah, I definitely am a morning studier as well, if I can be like, I, I am the most alert in like the early part of the day. So I agree that that's when I would like to do work. And I think that it's a good reminder for people either coming into dental school or that are currently in dental school that both of us, even though we've been through so many semesters, are still always adapting our study techniques and our ways of going about the week. But at the same time, we found a few things that work for us. Like you said, your Monday nights are just for you. And same for me, I have like, I try to take at least one day off a week of everything, whether it's a weekend or whatever. But I'm going to try to keep up that same kind of thing. And our classes are going to be in person. So I don't really know what to expect as in terms of like adjusting. Hopefully it'll be good. Hopefully I'll learn more because I'll be more forced to do the work. So I'm hoping for the best, but I think it'll be a lot more exhausting because you do have to come back and then study everything that you took in in a lecture versus kind of pacing yourself. So it'll be interesting. I really don't know what to expect, but I'm really just trying to get through it and go into it with an open mind and keep trying my best. So it's, I guess for the people listening that are dental students, it's totally okay. If you're kind of pivoting all throughout dental school, like I still feel very comfortable in dental school. Now I feel settled in, but at the same time, things are always changing and you just become so comfortable with craziness and with exams all the time. It just doesn't really phase you anymore. So that's something I guess to look forward to. Hopefully you'll become more at peace with the hecticness of dental school as it goes. (laughs) One semester at a time. Also, I have learned like, I can't, I can't think about too much. Like, I know we talked a lot about D3 year and stuff too, which is fine, but it's like, at like the core, you really just worry about the semester you're in or the next one, whatever. But yeah. Yeah, I agree. Which is why I said, Sure, it'd be great to do these things to prepare for clinic, but we really just focus on all the classes and all the pre-clinic mm-hmm. that we have right now. Totally oh, agree. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time. I do got to get going to get to class soon, but thank you so much. It was good ch- chatting with you again. And of course. do you want to shout out your Instagram one more time in case people sure. don't know? Yeah, 
if you want to connect with me, you can follow me at, at future dentist, Joe, and uh, my uh, DMS are always open. If you have any questions or anything like that, and uh, let me know if uh, you need anything. Thanks for your time again. Yeah, thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.